0: Welcome to the Ride This Out podcast, where we talk about how to improve your mental health and strengthen your connection to nature and your community, all through one simple solution, the bicycle. My name is Zach Golding, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker and mental health therapist. I'll be your host as we discuss the power of pedaling. This week's session is Aaron Scablin. Uh, He is one of the founders and administrators for Bikewalk Provo. He's also a professor at BYU. Um, and I'll just kind of let him introduce himself as we go into this. Um, again, these uh, sessions have been super fun to do. I appreciate everyone's support and sharing them with others. Hopefully, this will inspire other people to ride and other people to uh, get involved in their community and advocate for safer streets and bicycle infrastructure. So uh, enjoy this week's session. I wanted uh, to chat with you a little bit about uh, just everything that you're involved with um, in the biking world, but just wanted to start by asking you to introduce yourself a little bit, where you're from, how you got into biking, what you do, all that good stuff.
1: Sure. Um, so Aaron Scablins, my name, uh, as you know. Um, I uh, was born in Idaho but grew up in Springville, Utah from the time I was five. Um, and then um, uh, after I graduated from BYU, I left uh, Utah for a decade and came back in 2006 and uh, settled in Provo. So I've been here since I wanted to live in the most urban area in Utah County, and Provo is definitely uh, that. Um, I so I, when I when I returned in 2006, I started teaching at uh, BYU. Um, I'm a historian, um, and my specialty is modern Japanese history. And um, do you want me to go on?
0: Yeah, yeah, keep yeah. going. This is good.
1: So, so uh, because of my, well, growing up, I guess I'll talk about how I got into kind of bicycling and active transportation, transit advocacy. Um, uh, growing up in Springville, um, it's a, it was a small town and uh, I had five older brothers and uh, three younger sisters, so a big family. Um, and always walked uh, to school, I rode my bike, uh, my uh, rally red bike to the, the library. We, I grew up without a television. Um, so reading books and um, kind of being active was something that uh, we valued as a family and but, uh, and I had two, two older brothers uh, who, you know, when they gradu- graduated from high school, they were from Washington to California. And I think they were influenced by the, the bicycling boom of the 1970s. Um, and that rubbed off on me. So after the OPEC oil crisis, uh, there was a bit of a boom in bicycling. And then the Four youngest brothers, including myself, we did a 500 mile um, road or um, road bike touring uh, trip in the Canadian Rockies when I was, I think, 15. So, and 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 actually, on that trip, (laughs) we saw this uh, guy uh, who was from Montana on this strange-looking bike, and we said, "What is that?" He said, "It's a mountain bike." He said, that's, that's interesting. And he said, you guys are from Utah. You've, you've got to go down to Moab. And, um, so we that uh, winter over the Christmas break, we went down to Moab and rode the slick rock trail. There was only a single bike shop in the entire town. So we rented mountain bikes and rode a mountain bike for the first time. And, um, What
0: what year was that, Aaron? Did you say what year that was?
1: That was um that's a question. Probably about um I was probably about 15 or 16, so about uh 1985, 1986. Anyway, so I I was I was a recreational uh writer kind of growing up. Not um And then I I was sent uh, to serve a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints when I was 19 to Japan. And Japan uh, is a country, well, I was a a bike missionary. I rode a bike for two years. And I also saw, um, it wasn't great, you know, bicycle infrastructure, but a lot of people on bikes. So it was very safe to ride on bikes, easy to get around easy to combine with their, their great transit system. Um, so I was a bike missionary. Um, and, um, I guess it was other than, you know, riding to the library as a, a kid. Um, it was my first time really, uh, using a bike for transportation, those entire years. And, and although I didn't know the term at the time, or maybe the term didn't really exist. Um, it was very, very much a multimodal experience. So of course, a lot of transit, a lot of train um, rides uh, and, and getting using a bike as well to get to different places. Um, so that kind of opened my eyes. Um, it didn't lead me to become a bike advocate immediately, but it, but it um, uh, left an impression that I build on later and um
0: so after were, you on the, a, were you on a bike that entire two years in japan
1: uh yeah in, in every area in which i served yeah we were always on a bike uh in especially
0: in very rural
1: areas well and in the city as well um yeah we rode every single day and uh, i mean no no uh missionaries um uh, had cars except um those you know the the assistants to the president uh who really didn't have a car they just you know sometimes drove when they moved around with the mission president so
0: and um, i'm i'm assuming were all your bikes out there or maybe you just had one bike were they japan made i've heard those old japan steel bikes are just indestructible
1: yes um sometimes we had uh I, th- I think we had this kind of American kind of mentality. It's th- still, I think, a problem in terms of kind of bike uh, culture taking off here. Um, we, I think first, sometimes we had like a 10-speed, sometimes we had a mountain bike. But the best bikes were these really cheap, kind of indestructible. Um, they're called Mama mamachari, and the mama is mom. So they're like mom's bikes, you know, very practical, cheap bikes, uh, kind of like the bikes that you find in Europe that just everybody rides. Um, I think it's kind of a problem that in the US, uh, we think of bicycles as a toy rather than a vehicle, rather than a mode a, a motive, of, uh, a, a tool for transportation. Um, and sometimes I think we were influenced by that view and thought we had to have a mountain bike or some other kind of uh, bike. And, and, th- and they, we really didn't need one um, because we didn't have a lot of hills. We didn't really need all that many years. Anyway, um, that, that, that um, experience was, was formative. Um, and uh, eventually after graduating from BYU, and uh, then going on to grad school uh, in the Bay Area and in New York City, um, where I kind, I, I, we continued to have bikes as a family, but it, we were, I wasn't really biking all that much uh, in, in Manhattan, in New York City at, at Columbia University. You know, you, you don't really need a bike. Uh, I, didn't really, I didn't really need a bike to walk a few blocks to campus and it was hard to get our bikes out of our apartment, down the stairs, and into the street. Um, although, I remember with my two little boys, we rode all the way from um, 116th, um, all the way down to Battery Park, which is like, I don't know, five, six miles, uh, all the way down Riverside Park. And I think we only had to cross maybe one street that entire way along as we rode along the Hudson River. Um, New York really hadn't gone all in in terms of of bicycling at that point. Um, But I I also saw, wow, this is, this is a wonderful amenity. Um, But once again, it was more about recreation still. Um, And what really kind of uh, made me a um, utilitarian, uh, you know, transportation cyclist was going back to Japan, living in Sapporo, which is, uh was the, the host of the 1972 Winter Olympics. That's what it's probably best known for. It's a big city of 1.8 million people on the Northern Island of Hokkaido. So very cold in the winter, but just really lovely uh, in the summer months. We lived out kind of on the outskirts of the city uh, because one of my sons was going to an international school there and I would ride um, when I wasn't taking the subway which was quite often just because I, I just enjoyed the ride um, uh, to the university, Hokkaido University, which was downtown in downtown Sapporo. And it was probably three, four mile ride. I, I don't remember exactly. Um, and I did that for three years. And so by the time uh, I finished my PhD in the postdoc in, in Sapporo, um, uh, and we were ready to, to move back to the U.S. And, and uh, uh, I got the job at, uh, at BYU and started teaching. Um, we, uh, you know, wanted to live in the most urban, as I said earlier, most urban place in uh, Utah County, and that was Provo, because I wanted to uh, be able to ride year-round to, to work. Uh, we wanted to be a one-car family, um, uh, so we we bought a house uh, directly west of, of BYU, um, uh, right near Lions Park, um, and uh, that that, uh, uh, that 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 choice. And then also uh, some conferences that first year at BYU, I went to. Um, uh, Amsterdam for a conference that fall and uh, Sweden uh, the next year. And I saw really good bicycle infrastructure and and lots of people on bicycles. And that experience got me thinking, you know, Provo is great, you um, know, uh, in, in a lot of ways, but it could be so much better if we'd really uh, make it uh, safer and more what, convenient and, and pleasurable uh, for people to have a choice about how to move around uh, our, our community. And um, that did immediately lead to uh, advocacy. Um, there was one other thing that kind of uh, was necessary, and that was, as I mentioned, we, we bought a house on the south end of Lions Park, had the 17-acre park behind our house. Our back gate opens up into it. And um, this was a wonderful uh, public space, but it had undergone years of benign neglect. And I led an effort to uh, uh, plant trees and uh, uh, you know, apply for uh, grants. Um, actually, it was like, by the end, like $40,000 worth of grants that we brought in from the city council. Um, and and then rallying people, mobilizing volunteers to uh, pour uh, concrete and work with the city as they poured concrete after we did the first stage. And you know we w- we would do other work um, in preparation for them to do that. Um, and that that experience uh, of, of leading this effort to improve this um, uh, you know local park. Uh, gave me experience working with the city, working with the parks department. Um, and in and I wasn't really thinking about it in these terms immediately, but it re- really was about walkability, right? It was really about improving improving people's quality of life. Um, we went on from the park to actually as a neighborhood, poor two and a half blocks of, of sidewalks on a uh, street in our neighborhood. There was curb and gutter along that section, but there was... There was just a, a dirt <laughs> area uh, along the curb and gutter that had been like that for forever. Um, and I thought, this is crazy. Um, if we can do that, this kind of work in the park, let's do it on this street. So we applied for a $5,000 grant and I rallied uh, people in the neighborhood and, and we did that section as well. Wow. Um, but, but that experience led me, uh, gave me experience working with the city um, and I, in the meantime, I was uh, biking to, to campus every day. Um, and I, I thought, I wonder if there's a bicycle advocacy, you know, grassroots uh, organization in Provo that's, that's advocating for bicycling. And it, it, we all, at, at that point, it was, it was really just about bicycling. I wasn't really thinking so much about walkability uh, and transit all that much yet. Um, And around the same time, there was a student, um, Zach Whitmore, a a slightly older student at UVU, uh, whose life experiences had had led him to ask the same sorts of questions. And we discovered that uh, there was not at that moment such an organization. There there had been one that uh, was kind of, uh, it was known as the Provo Bicycle Committee and started in 2000 by a BYU student, they had helped get started the bike to work day. And they had done a, a, some work with the city, but it had kind of disappeared, um, had, had entered a kind of a hiatus. Um, and uh, for, for several years earlier, we discovered. And so we thought we're gonna revive this organization and we're going to uh, get the city to to recognize it kind of as a quasi-official organization. And so we went, Zach and I, and uh, someone else who had been involved in the early organization went to, to mayor John Curtis, who had just uh, been elected and said, Hey, will you recognize us as the uh, mayor's Provo bicycle committee? And uh, mayor Curtis was an, was an active guy. He was a trail runner, um, but he hadn't bicycled since he had been a missionary in Taiwan um, but he, I think he said, yeah, I, I, uh, recognize the value of that. Uh, and Zach also was really clever because he, at the time he worked at Mad, Dike, Mad Dog Cyclery and he would, uh, lend bikes to, to Mayor Curtis, um, uh, and said, Hey, try out this bike, try out that bike. And, uh, in part because of that, and also because I think of other influences mayor curtis became kind of a a recreational roadie cyclist um and he saw the the work that we were doing which was more focused on utilitarian cycling but also at that um, time we were still kind of working on uh you know trails as well because uh groups that were advocating for for mountain bike trails had not emerged at that point um so that that was it in 2008 and that, uh, since then, 15 years later, uh, you know, we, we grew uh, the Provo Bicycle Committee uh, into what became known as um, Bike Provo uh, back in, I think, 2018. Um, and we uh, then, a couple of years later, uh, we, we turned it into Bike Walk Provo. Um, it's now a, a, a nonprofit uh and it's very highly organized and and um i think over the last 15 years we've we've uh, um not only changed the culture of provo um but i think more importantly we've um with working with the city um sometimes uh, collaboratively and sometimes uh in a little bit more adversarial way <laughs> kind of pushing them to do what they ought to be doing. I think we've accomplished, uh, quite a bit. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a general, uh, kind of history and kind of overview.
0: Love it. That's amazing. I think, uh, for one, I, you know, Lions park is amazing. So you did a great job over there. Oh, yes. That's beautiful. I love, I love going over there.
1: Yeah. It, it's become the, I think one of the most popular parks in, uh, Provo. Um, when we moved in there was only a walkway on the north and south end and I thought this really ought, ought to have walkways all the way around um, there was a playground in the middle of the park and and parent and parents had to push the kids in their strollers through all this grass to get to the playground and I thought you know we, we can do better so yeah um,
0: yeah it's, it's it, nothing makes me happier
1: than to see uh, people you know using that as a as a a, a path to you know to do laps um, and kids on bikes riding around the the park on, on those walkways that we uh, put in with the help of the city so
0: yeah no and that's that's amazing I love how that's that translated over to to working with the city you know as far as the biking goes um, I, I'm curious what's I mean you mentioned a little bit of the adversarial role right what's been some of like the biggest challenges that you've run into as you've gotten this up off the ground. I'm sure there's a lot, but.
1: Yeah. um, For, for change to happen. um, I think when it comes to local government, I think two things are necessary. Well, there's a variety of things that are necessary, but to, to name two important things, you got to have good policies in place, right? You you, you need to have plans that uh, give, uh, local officials kind of permission or, uh, the kind of guideline to, to, to do good stuff, to, to, to bring about change and, uh, persuading our city council. Um, actually this happened in, in 2013 for the first time, uh, to adopt, uh, what was known as the bicycle master plan. Um, that was a challenge. Um, this was a, a plan that had been uh, con, uh, what, um, developed or, or crafted by a consulting for, firm that had, had been hired by uh, our regional planning agency, Mountlands Association of Governments. It was a great plan, um, but it needed to be officially adopted and endorsed by the council. Um, and so uh, we lobbied for that. We even, we even had a protest <laughs> in front of City Hall uh, <laughs> with people holding signs uh, to, to put some, some pressure on the city council. Um, and uh, they adopted it. But, but that wasn't enough. Uh, because even if you have great plans, if you don't have great personnel uh, who are uh, forward thinking, who who embrace those plans, uh, then that's uh, uh, acts as a as, as an obstacle, and it's really only been within the last uh, two three years that we finally had in Provo some uh, great uh, forward thinking traffic or I shouldn't say traffic uh, transportation engineers. Uh, who have really started to embrace uh, a vision of what what cities should look like in the 21st century? Uh, who who've moved away from this kind of outdated, antiquated 20 20th century car centric uh, vision to one that's more multi mobile, you know, transit, active transportation, uh, where uh, you know, you, you give people really a choice about how they can, they can move around. And um, even though the policies haven't been updated and they still need to be improved, we found with these new transportation engineers and particularly now um, with the new city engineer, who um, we, we weighed in very heavily as an organization when the city was doing their search for a new city engineer and the mayor said that she had never had uh heard so much so so much public comment about a a hiring decision and probably maybe even any other decision um and and they hired somebody who who were who's who's really um forward thinking thinks about um transportation in in a comprehensive way um so that. Uh, I feel like we're, we've, we're really making a lot of progress uh, in part because of, of, in large part now because of, of great uh, personnel. Um, but it's still a struggle. We still need better policies. Uh, we need uh, our elected leadership, uh, the our mayor, uh, to, you know, to have the back of, of these transportation engineers when they try to do something innovative and bring about change because there's a lot of people uh, particularly older people who are kind of stuck in the the 20th century in this car centric uh world that they existed in for so long who who resist uh change uh when it comes to making our public streets uh, safer for everyone um and they resist change in in terms of land use and, and making uh, you know, allowing for, for people uh, to live closer to where they work and study. Um, and, you know, a, a big obstacle to, to active transportation is, is our, our land use policies that uh, lead people, that have led to sprawl uh, people having really uh, long commutes uh, that, that are hard to uh, cover with, with transit. And are are so distant that it's you know difficult uh, for active transportation to to uh, um, to to really uh, realize its potential. Um, so you've got to have both of those things. You've got to have uh, better transportation um, and land use policies uh, to to bring about uh, change that will that, that will improve the quality of life of everyone. Um, Even those people who insist that they want to continue to drive, um, their quality of life will also uh, be improved if if you make these sorts of changes.
0: Yeah, uh, recently I was talking to someone who um, was helped out a little bit with the development of the Murdoch Trail out here. You know, it starts in Orym and goes up all the way up to Lehigh. Yep, and uh, he was, you know, talking about how, and maybe you were involved with that too. I don't know. Were you were Is you involved there, with
1: that? Was this Jim Price?
0: No, it wasn't. It was uh, his name was Brandon um, Stocksdale.
1: Oh, Brandon, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know Brandon well. Brandon's great. yeah. Um, you also might consider talking to Jim Price. Uh, he's the tra- trails guru uh, at MAG, the Mountain Lands Association of Governments, yep. so as I mentioned earlier. Um, yes. his, first, his first project as a planner was the College Connector Trail. Mm. Uh, and, and then he was, he was also uh, the main planner behind the, the Murdoch Canal Trail. And now he's working on this, this extension of the Provo River Trail from Vivian Park up to uh, Deer Creek. Um, so um, he, I think he'd be a really interesting person for you to, to talk to but yeah yeah, i i I, I wasn't directly involved with the murdoch canal trail um uh i think it's it's wonderful i think it's wonderful as as a for recreation but also uh as as the counters that that mag has set along the trail show it's also being used extensively for uh transportation as well
0: Um, oh yeah like i I uh I commute on it daily. I, I ride my bike um, on it daily because I yeah. my office is up in American Fork. And so it, it was just interesting hearing, you know, how much you know resistance people were putting up about um doing that trail, which yeah. you know it was just an open <laughs> canal anyways, you know. Yeah. Um yeah. and now fast forward I don't know how long it's been, 10, 15 years, and it's literally being used by hundreds of people. Every morning when I ride, yeah, there's hundreds of people on that trail. So it's been really cool to see people embrace it and using it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's in large part, thanks to GM, but also other planners, I think, um, along the Wasatch Front, we have one of the best, uh, separated trail systems, um, that you can find. Um, you know, you can go all the way from Provo to Ogden on separated trails with very few street crossings, um, all the way to, to, to Ogden. So, um, yeah, you know, Amazing. We're, we're, we're trying to build on that. Um, right now I'm working with, uh, Logan Millsap also somebody that I think you ought to talk to. Um, mm-hmm. he's in Valley. You may have, you, you, you probably, you met him at the parade, right?
0: Um, yeah. He was, uh, he was Luigi, right?
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's also on a, uh, a kind of advisory board with, with UTA. Uh, so, you know, um, but, but Logan and I are working on uh, trying to create a trail that will run along the railway line that will connect Provo to, to Springville. Um, and next week, uh, we have a site visit scheduled with this new Provo City engineer, some folks from parks. Um, and and, and we, we think this is the perfect time to do it because earlier this year, the um, state legislature... Uh, approved 45 million dollars of annual funding for uh, the building of trails throughout the state uh, and these trails need uh, uh, to have not just a recreation uh, value but they also need to have a, a, a transportation component as well um, and as I, as I mentioned I, I grew up in Springville um, and since then I've, I've ridden my bike a few times from Springville to Provo and vice versa. Uh, but it was never uh, uh, an enjoyable and, and experience um, and, and, and never a very uh, fast uh, ride because the two choices you have is to go over Ironton Hill um, right next to you know 50 plus miles per hour uh, cars uh, or to go through the Westfields Um, and so that's a very roundabout way to get from Provo to to Springville or vice versa. Um, and, uh, this, this trail is flat. It runs right along the railway line and it it would provide a wonderful connection. I ran it the other day last week. Um, and I, and, you know, I'm not a fast runner, but it didn't feel like a, a, a long distance, uh, because it's a, a pleasurable, uh, you know, ride or run. Um, so, so I'm really optimistic about um, things going forward. Um, and I think uh, as we invest in these separated trails, that will also build support uh, for uh, creating connections from our community to these separate, separated trails. And you know, so, so creating a, a network, a, a grid that really connects uh, all of these places in a robust and seamless way. Um, and, and that's what other cities have done, like Madison, Wisconsin, where I visited a a few months ago. Uh, and, and, and this is really about, uh, improving our quality of life, you know, uh, uh, encouraging people to have an active lifestyle, um, to, to, you know, get out and, and, uh, interact with, with other people. And, uh, I don't think, uh. There's never been a time where we've needed this, this more, where you know more people are stuck behind screens. Um, and um, you know, our the kind of social fabric of our, our, our communities seems to be fraying. Um, so I, I don't think this is a, a silver bullet, this is not the only thing we need to do, but I think, um, encouraging active, uh, sustainable, um, healthy, um, Lifestyles and, and transportation habits uh, is is really important to to um, some to many of the, the the challenges we we face and I haven't even mentioned you know climate change and the need to reduce emissions and all of that I um, mean this this once again uh, active transportation is not the most important thing we can do but um, you know combined with transit. Um, it can really uh, have a, a big impact.
0: Yes, absolutely, and that's um, a big reason why I'm doing what I'm doing with with this stuff too. Because I've I've recognized, you know, kind of like you'd mentioned that the bike isn't just a simple toy or recreational uh, use. It's it's a tool, right? A tool yeah. to trans for transportation, but also a tool, like you were saying, to connect to our communities and connect to the people around us and also better our physical health and and our mental health too right like when you're out it's riding and when you're connecting with with nature and your community you're just
1: yeah um, yeah yeah we just all, improves we, everything we think of nature as something you know out there we have to go to it but we're that's kind of an artificial separation uh, between kind of culture and and nature uh, nature is all around us right it's um, uh, it's it's the the cool air it's the trees it's you know um that so we get that connection but we also uh it also connects us with other people um as i was saying um i've never that's one of the things i really enjoy about moving around um you know i like walking as well but you can move a lot faster on a bicycle uh and, and one of the things i really enjoy about um, moving around by bike is that i i can uh Uh, Say hi to people, right? I can stop uh, more easily and help somebody out. Um, And uh, I found even in the middle of the winter, when there's lots of snow, and I'm moving around my bike, it's a lot easier for me to when you know somebody gets uh, stuck in their car, for me to jump off my bike and help push them out of the gutter. Uh, And I've had that experience uh, multiple times. And and you know, you you interact with people. Um, in ways that you cannot, if you're inside of a um, what? Uh, a car, right? Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And, and and you and I think you you also behave uh, in in better ways as well. I mean, you know, we we usually. Road rage is not a term that is uh, applied to people who are on bikes. It's applied to people who are driving around in cars, right? Who, who uh, behave in, in ways that they normally wouldn't um, and that they only do so when they're uh, in a car or maybe uh, when they're on social media. And <laughs> uh, once again, separated and kind of alienated uh, from, from the people that they're uh, interacting with and often, uh, uh, treating, you know, very poorly, whether it be, uh, you know, in, in, in the, in a driver's seat or in front of a, a, a computer on a, or on a phone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent on that. That's a big reason why I, I bike to work and I bike all over the place too, is it just helps keep kind of my peace of mind and more, you know, I'm more calm and, um, just enjoy the, enjoy the ride a lot more. So I, I used to, uh, commute down to Provo quite a bit when I was working down at an office down there. Um, and this was, you know, recently, but I, I've noticed all those changes down there and you guys did a great job. I, I honestly, I loved biking through Provo and I, I still do. In fact, me and my family still like to attend a lot of the events and everything down there. And so yeah, you guys have done a great job, but I'm curious what, what is something like that you're most, proud of, like, as you look back over, you know, the last, you know, multiple years that you've been involved with your advocacy, what's something, whether it be, you know, different bike lanes or different um, walking areas, what's something that you've been most um, impressed or proud by? Um,
1: uh, as I said, um, I, I work at BYU, I teach uh, history there. Um, And I uh, interact with a lot of students and um, I'd really like to create uh, students have have a a kind of financial incentive to to not uh, have a car. Right. Um, And and they're young, so they're 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 most open to change. Um, And. so creating, creating a, um, a community, uh, a, a university city, people sometimes call Provo a college town, but uh, it's not that, it's, it's really, you know, we have not just one university, but uh, two universities, one in Provo and one right next door in Orem, uh, that are huge. And uh, these are not towns that we live in. These are cities. These are metropolitan areas. Um, So, you know, a a lot of my advocacy over the years has been focused on creating uh, communities where students, uh, a community where students, uh, you know, if they want to bring a car to Provo. And rely on a car, they're welcome to do so. But I'd like to create a place where that isn't a requirement um, for all the reasons we talked about, right? So they can get uh, some some exercise. So they, you know, I think it'll improve their mental health. you know, save their save them uh, financially uh, in in a lot of ways. Um, and um, I think the the project that a lot of people point to that that uh, Really got a lot of attention is the transformation of Bulldog Boulevard uh, to Cougar Boulevard. You know the, these protected bike lanes uh, and and the other changes to, to that street. Um, and that one, I think we played a really important role, uh, Mayor Curtis, and to some degree Mayor Capusi, by not uh, you know giving into the, the to those who were resisting. Uh, the project that that was a, a very important project, but in some ways, um, I'm more proud of uh, the two bike neighborhood bikeways or neighborhood byways uh, that that also run up to campus, Second East um, and Eighth East. Uh, that bike walk, Provo volunteers. Working with people in those neighborhoods, uh, worked to improve. Um, and uh, Second East, uh, the city did a, a variety of things. We wish they would have gone further, uh, and 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 narrowed, uh, you know, the the street at the intersections with with bulbouts even more than they they did. But um, when they did that project, it was it was the the, the engineers <laughs> who i mentioned earlier who, who who were not really embracing uh kind of urbanism uh, and 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 doing uh, kind of as little as possible um but i've met i've met lots of people who who are not involved in bite with by, by provo who know nothing about us who say we who, who, who when they when they find out uh that i'm affiliated with this organization or they find out that i had something to do uh, with the street or even bef- without even being prompted in any way, they say they love 2nd uh, uh, East. Um, and just the other day, um, my department chair, who, who periodically uh, rides to campus by bike and lives in Southeast Provo, um, I, I said, hey, what route do you take? Because uh, I, I was going to recommend 8th East. And, and he said, uh I take eight these and I'm said and, and he had discovered it on his own right um and, and that made me so happy that um we had helped create uh a kind of a low stress route that that people uh you know whether they be students or faculty or just other people uh are choosing to, to get around because um if when, when people decide whether they're going to embrace bicycling or for that for that matter, probably, you know, riding a scooter or whatever, um, but particularly for bicycling, uh, you know, as as transportation, uh, the factor that by far makes the biggest difference is infrastructure. 80 uh, percent of, of their decision making process is about infrastructure. Do they feel safe? Uh, uh, enough to to uh, ride around. So um, I'm a big believer that uh, you know changing the culture is important, but also I believe that uh, infrastructure, good infrastructure, also changes uh, a, a culture. It leads uh, drivers to to slow down, uh, you know, by creating streets that have a des- design speed that that where where they feel where they don't feel comfortable. Uh, speeding, right? Um, uh, you know, safe uh, uh, a, a safe pedestrian environment leads people to 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 walk more, um, and uh, you know, protected bike lanes and and neighborhood bikeways that will also lead people to say, "Hey, yeah, I'm going to give this a try." Uh, and when they when they start they they start biking, they think, "Oh, this is kind of like." Uh, what green, green eggs and have it uh, you know if you try it you'll like it um uh so um yeah that, that's the, the it's it's those kind of uh projects where uh you know i look back and i think you know if we uh as uh uh advocates and activists if we hadn't been involved these things would not be in place um and i think that's the case for for um, Cougar Boulevard and for, for a variety of other streets. And we're hoping that we can, you know, accelerate uh, the momentum uh, going forward uh, as, we, as we work with these great uh, personnel in the city and as we, you know, push them to, to not only adopt uh, forward-thinking policies, but actually implement the policies. Um, we, we got that great uh, bicycle master plan passed in uh, 2013, and yes we accomplished a lot but there's a lot of things that that, uh were never implemented uh because we didn't have uh, we didn't have the the right personnel uh in place um these these past uh 10 years
0: yeah always something to improve on right but it's also cool to look back and see all the change. and honestly that's a big thing that's motivated me um you know, and, and, doing a couple rides down there with you guys and the bike to work events and, and then just seeing and feeling that culture down there. It's, it's motivated me to get a little bit more involved with, with where I'm at in Orem. And in fact, I've started, we've, as a family, we've started attending their meetings and we just want to get more involved and, and again, getting, get involved with the advocacy part of it. Um, yeah. It's just more voices and more people. So what, what general advice, would you give to someone you know wanting to start out, getting involved with their city, wanting to, you know, become advocates themselves and and uh, bring about some of this change that you're that you've been involved with?
1: Um, well, really quick, I think Orem has a lot of potential.
0: Yes, <laughs> uh, it, it does is, a yeah, ton of potential. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's also <laughs> you know a, a grid system. Um, so I mean, right now might be a difficult time to make a lot of progress, given the kind of the politics in Orem right now. But I think,
0: uh-huh.
1: <laughs> you know, that, that uh, I, I study history and history is the, stu- uh, is the, the story of, of change. There's continuity, but there's also change. So I think uh, there will be, you know, things will, will not always be like they are in, in Orem. Um, so in terms of, of, of getting started, I'd say uh, connect with, with other people. Uh, Who care about uh, what you care about, right? Um, Doing these things entirely on our own is is not um, is is really difficult. Um, And also, uh, you know, I can look back over the last fifteen years, and and the people that I've worked with um, in the trenches, uh, as we as we've tried to bring about change, those relationships, um, those friendships uh, have been have been immensely rewarding. Um, so that's one thing. And then, and then I'd say, remember, uh, to be persistent, but also to be patient. Uh, uh, particularly as you work with, with local government, uh, things move very slowly, agonizingly slowly, uh, but it's worth the effort. Um, and it's, it's really easy to get, to, to get frustrated. Uh, but if you're persistent, if you're a squeaky wheel, if, and actually, as you, as you, if you, if you work on forming, you know, solid relationships with uh, these uh, local officials, even ones that you are frustrated with, uh, that will uh, bring about, um, uh, you know, change eventually, slowly. Uh, so be persistent, but also be patient uh, as as you do this. Otherwise, you'll you'll wear yourself out. Um, and, and, um, um, and, 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 and kind of give up. Um, so patience and persistence are, are, are two keywords and, and relationships, um, I guess three keywords that I, that I leave people with.
0: That's great. That's great advice. And absolutely. There's uh, a bit of an uphill battle here, but I've, I've noticed, um, and, and almost, you know, in every city, right. That a lot of people are facing, If they want to make some changes, but I've noticed there's just been such, and you've probably seen this too, just, there's been such a, a bike boom, you know, especially with, uh, cargo bikes and family bikes and e-bikes that there's just so many more people riding that that we're almost at this like renaissance, if you will, like this, this moment of everyone is starting to realize, Oh, like I can ride a bike five miles, no problem on a, on an e-bike or a regular bike or whatever. And, and it's, yeah. you know, I'm not all sweaty. Like this is great. And so hopefully with uh, getting more people out and, you know, active and connected and advocating, um, you know, there's a a high need for it for sure. And, you know, I'm, I'm a major, like you were talking about a major proponent. If, if you build it, they will come right. Like if, if yeah. you put it out there, people are going to ride. And, uh, and, and like I said, more and more people are riding. I mean, just the e-bike sales alone last year, I was looking at, it, it was, it was almost a million bikes were sold in America. So it's, yeah. and, it's and, and pretty it, amazing.
1: In Utah, more e-bikes were sold than electric cars uh, Yeah, last year. And, and I'm a, I'm a huge believer in e-bikes. I think they have the potential to real, and we're seeing this b- being realized to really um, expand ridership, right? People um, who who would normally ride uh, will will start riding, but uh, we still face the same challenges. That is, people won't continue to ride those e-bikes, um, and and they and they they won't ride them for transportation. Um, and, and e-bikes really, you know, really change that dynamic, right? You can go. Uh, a lot further, a lot easily, uh, a lot faster, right? So they can really extend people's uh, commutes. Um, but they won't do that uh, if we don't make our streets safe and we and we don't create a grid, a, a network that allows people to get to the destinations that they want to get to. That doesn't mean we need bicycle facilities on every street, but we need... Uh, to create a grid that allows people to, to, you know, to get to school, uh, to get to work. Uh, and, um, and and I think we're, we're making a lot of progress uh, on, on doing that. Um, and uh, that's definitely the case in, in uh, Provo, but I also, I have a lot of hope for, for Orem as well. You've got a, uh, you know, the Orem, I don't know what their new name, but was the Orem Bicycle Coalition uh, that's been working on this and and they're, and they're, Despite the difficult headwinds that they're uh, facing, uh, they're, they're continuing to plug away. Um, and I think history, uh, to come back to history, history is, is on our side. Um, but uh, we, we have to be actively engaged, uh, anxiously engaged in, in, in moving it forward rather than hoping that it will just uh, move in that direction. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's, it's on the local level that you can really make uh, a d- big difference that you can really bring about change. And I, and I've seen that, uh, be true, uh, these last, you know, 10, 15 years here in Provo. I
0: love it. A lot of, a lot of lessons to be learned from your experiences, Aaron. So I, I seriously, I greatly appreciate you taking some time and, and sharing your, your story and the history of it. And, uh. Like I said, I, I've been motivated just by talking with, um, you know, a few of the people down there in bike walk Provo just to get more involved in my community. So I hope that other people listening to this too, can, can feel that energy and that, that drive as well that you guys have and, and, uh, create change, advocate for change. I, it's awesome lessons. So again, thank you so much. I appreciate You're it.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for your interest. And it was a, a wonderful to meet you uh, a couple of weeks ago and and look forward to Continuing to 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 work with you,
0: yeah, absolutely. I'll I'm gonna I'll reach out a few more times too for some other pointers and help and stuff. But we'll we'll be down to some family rides as well because we're we're kind of uh we're in central orem we're right by the library, so we'll oh nice. Nice. We like to cruise down there and just take you know the the different trails down there. We we have a safe path to get down there. So and
1: I I did I ask you about um, uh, what is the Carterville Road? You ever use the Carterville? Yep.
0: We okay. love Carterville Road. That's like the best kept secret norm. That's, I would love that road.
1: And, and, and actually, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I'm, I'm working with Mag to, to make some improvements of that on that road. Cause I think it's a, I mean, this is, this is something that, that I hope happens pretty soon is, you know, people discover these routes kind of word of mouth uh, or in other ways, but we really need uh, a you know, wayfinding sign signage. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and also, I think that would act as a uh, as encouragement for people to ride and also uh, make uh, bicycling uh, more legitimate in the eyes of, of, of drivers as well. Right. Uh, if they if they see signage that is kind of bicycle specific um, and I'm, I'm hoping that will happen within the next year, I've been working uh, trying to get that to happen for several years now and practicing a lot of uh uh, persistence and patience on that front yeah
0: yeah. so yeah no i i hear you and i i uh yeah carterville we love that road especially in the in the fall with all the leaves down there it is it's a beautiful path yeah it's an amazing path so yeah absolutely more signage um like you said to legitimize it and just let it let people know that it's out there and just Um, because yeah I think that's one of the intimidating processes of of biking anyway right you're like where am I going I don't know how to get into this but there's been a lot of really great you know apps developed and different bike routes and stuff for people you know downloading trail forks on my phone was a game changer for me within the mountain bike world because then it just opened my mind of like oh this is where the trail is yeah yeah and this is how I get to these places but they also have a lot of really good city paths marked out too and so yeah just having them marked and And um, again, just it's less intimidating and it's a lot easier to get into it. So. Right. Yeah. Cool. Love it. Okay. All right. Well, Well, thanks again, Aaron. And uh, we'll, we'll be in touch in the future for sure.
1: Okay. Really enjoyed the conversation, Zach.
0: All right. Same, same to you. Have Have a good night. Good night. Bye-bye. All right. A big thanks again to Aaron for jumping on this week's session and discussing the history of, Bike walk Provo, um, and also how to be uh, better advocates in our own communities and our own cities to help bring about change for uh, safer streets for pedestrians and, and bicycles. Um, you know, and the benefits that can come from that are long lasting for sure. And so, uh, I loved the the concepts, the key elements that he talked about there of you know being having good connections, good relationships with other people and being consistent with how we're doing it, you know, that persistent nature, and also, um, being patient, you know? So those are three, uh, key elements that can help us, you know, personally with any kind of change that we're going through, you know, the relationships that we have with other people and being persistent and also being patient. So, um, great stuff there. Awesome. All right. Thanks guys. Uh, thanks again for the support. Thanks again for, um, you know, liking, reviewing, sharing—that really helps this podcast grow, um, and sharing it with other people too, other bicycle enthusiasts or other family members, other friends that um, you know been thinking about getting into writing. That the whole idea is to discuss the the benefits of all different types of writing, um, and also just again staying more connected with with your community and with nature. So, uh, thanks again, and let's all ride this out.